When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we are here to talk about an hour about new uniforms. Brett, it's happening. You've, you've been waiting for this your entire oh. life, at least of the last however many years since the Desert Swarm uniforms. Yeah, well, away. especially since the gradient-style uniforms came into play. If anyone, I had a thing for AZ Desert Swarm last week about saying, hey, do the uniforms. And I know we talked about it a little bit last week, too, on the show. But Arizona had their media day on Wednesday, and they announced their uh, Desert Rising throwback look-forward uniform set. They look like the Desert Swarm style. Um, it's everything everyone wanted. And I know it's not the biggest news to come out of Arizona athletics over the last week, and not even really with Arizona football, but in some ways it kind of feels like it, right? Yeah, I mean, they look they look sharp. I'll <laughs> give you that. I do in quick passing glance, though, it does remind me of my my younger days, uh, y- you know, before anyone in my family had even attended the University of Arizona back in the Desert Swarm days. And uh, sometimes it would look a little bit like Auburn's uniforms, but in a good way, I would say. Um, I guess if you the red is an orange and yeah, I, I could see that a little bit, but <laughs> we're not going to spend in the passing. entire show talking in about passing, these uniforms, yeah. but. You know, we saw them a couple of times, like when they like we saw them a couple of years ago with the homecoming against Oregon State, and they look good. We saw it all in their promotional stuff, and it kind of had the vibe like they're switching to these uniforms. The fact that they are actually doing it is nice. Now, the ones they had right before these weren't the worst uniforms. The ones before the previous ones kind of were, but yeah. you know, this is absolutely a step in the right direction. And I don't know of anybody who's looking at these and saying, "Well, that's a miss," <laughs> you know, and that and that's rare with uniforms. And that's because it's nostalgia. It's just because it's they're clean. You know, they're clean-looking football uniforms. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure even uh, even the, the, the biggest diehard ASU fans took a look and said, eh, too bad it won't help them win any games. It's like, if they, they, basically, they can't. If, they, if they're not going to criticize these, they're not going to criticize them. They've got to find something else to be upset about. Yeah, they well, look- everything's good in ASU land, so they got nothing to be ex- upset about at all, but... Moving on with Arizona football news, we can kind of backtrack. I mean, it's been like a week of additions. You know, one of the biggest ones was one of the most anticipated. Keon Burnett uh, decided to commit to Arizona, the four-star tight end from Servite. You know, another one of those guys from Juice County. Um, A legacy player. His dad played at Arizona in the Desert Swarm days. And this was kind of expected, especially after he decommitted from USC. And we talked about it a couple of times if they could get him. But to have it actually happen with his commitment video and everything, like, yep, this is this is nice. 
Yeah, it's we've talked in the past how it's good weeks and bad weeks on the pod, Adam. It's been a good week. New really uniforms, good week. <laughs> four star, son of an alum. Also, the the second of the uh, three Servite guys, you know, come on down, T Mac. Yeah, um, two down, one to go. I mean, and if you if we've talked about him in the past, like with Burnett, if you look at his highlight videos at some of these show, like the opening, like among the best of the best, he is the guy with the highlights coming out. And I think you know him and T Mac in like the athletic article on West Coast recruiting, were like guys who were being mentioned as the best West Coast recruits. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's it. There's there's nothing but excitement with what Burnett can do, and he's so physically, he seems so physically ready. It maybe if not as a blocker, but certainly as a receiver, a receiving tight end to come in and play right away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, granted, U of A has more tight end depth today than they had maybe at any point in the last ten years since or since Rob Gronkowski, you know, left left the program. Um, but boy, he's a guy who's going to play. I, I think he's going to play right away, and he's going to be the first of the. If if they get all big three Servite kids, I think he's going to be the one that contributes the quickest. Well, it makes you think too. Where obviously Arizona did a great job recruiting him, and we can still go back to no Noah Fafita, right? If they don't get him, it's unlikely they get Keon Burnett, and it's unlikely they're in on T Mac. So that's part of this. But he's not coming to Arizona to not get the ball or not be a part of the offense. This is a guy who could go anywhere and be highlighted. He's that type of player. So for all the people who are saying, well, Arizona might actually start using the tight end, this should be more evidence. You know, that, that tight end is going to be a big part of the offense, and especially if you have a player like Keon Burnett, it should be. You know, if he comes in and is as good as advertised, as good as those highlights make him look, and the highlights make him look like a freaking monster, you know, then in the <laughs> passing game, this is the type of player where he's a game changer for them because there's not a lot of teams who have tight ends, you know, players of that size who can do what he can do. So... You know, you see what Arizona's accomplished on the recruiting trail, and we keep talking about it, you know, but it keeps happening. It's like they're getting slowly better and better. Like, the last time it was Zeke Berry, who was their highest-rated commit in how many years? Like, since Booby Curry, I guess. But, you know, one of the highest-rated commits in a long time. And now Keon Burnett's even higher-rated than he is, you know? And then T-Mac is still out there, possibly, to be even higher than Keon Burnett is. And it's just this momentum that they're making good on in what has been the best offseason in Arizona football history, you know? And... It's hard not to get excited about it because they're just getting the job done. Like, they need players. And we talked about how it would be tough to start winning until you get good players, but you need to, you know, win with what you got before the good players will come. They're getting some good players just on faith. And if they can make good on that, they can start winning. Oh, wow. Like, this recruiting could be so much better than anything we've seen in Tucson. At least that's the way it looks right now. Yeah. And uh, Cam Burnett comes in as the highest rated recruit. Uh, Arizona is at number four in the Pac-12 on the 247 Sports, 38 in the Pac, and that's after losing T.J. Hall, uh, who decommitted since our last show, I think. But we replaced him with an even higher guy. Um, yeah, it's 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 something that I, the thought actually crossed my mind the other the other night, Adam, and maybe this is just the the Arizona fan in me that that thought to myself, is Jed Fish getting so much positive momentum in this offseason? that the expectations become unrealistic for the actual season. I don't think and so. Like, I mean, like people are people. I, I see people on the boards being like, I'm more excited for football season than basketball season. It's like, okay, I, I get it, but also slow your roll. <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't um, think it's put more expectations. I think it's bought him some time because sure. I think, I think any reasonable person can look at this team and say, okay, like we want to see them be better coach. We want to see them be more competitive. 
but you don't have to win in year one because we can see the plan to win in year two, year three. You know, if they were getting nothing on the recruiting trail, if there was no momentum, no buzz out there, they'd be like, well, shoot, like you better start winning. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen. But I think what they've done now, this coaching staff, Jed Fish and everything, like they're inspiring that confidence. Like, yeah, they know what they're doing. They have a plan. They're executing yeah. it. And, yeah, it may not happen this season on the field. It probably shouldn't happen. on the field. If it does happen, then, wow, that's an indictment of the previous coaching staff. But I don't think that's the expectation. Like, I still haven't talked to him. It's like, I don't think that excitement that people have is for them to win six or seven games this year. It's that excitement is like, hey, football seems to be on the right path. You know, and if this is the start of Arizona getting better and start of Arizona becoming a program that we can all be proud of, then it's going to be fun to watch no matter how many games they win. Well, if, if we're talking, what, uh, six weeks from now or seven weeks from now, after the season started, and Arizona's 2-1 and one coming out of their non-conference schedule, boy, I feel real good about the, the how they're going to close on the recruiting trail with the guys that, uh, going into the National Signing Day. Because yeah. like to your point, it's like if they come out, if they come out and punch BYU in the mouth, metaphorically, of course, um, you know, if they come out and and give them all they have and and barely lose or pull off a win there, oh boy, that then it's like then you then you are going to be a then that it's just all it all builds on itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a flywheel, right? And that's where you say like, yeah, I think people are now I think half expecting T Mac to commit to to Arizona. They're expecting some uh, some other four star guys maybe as soon as in the next week or two. This is a time where people are going to start committing. Um, so by the time you listen any... to this, more may have committed. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know we're we're recording on August sixth, and fall camp uh, just started today, and you're starting to get a sense of things. I'm really curious to see how the how the the reports are coming out of camp uh, in terms of who's looking good and who's looking bad. Uh, I think to to the point of how we're going to look on the field. The, the the big 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 flashing red light is going to be quarterback play. I sure, know I know sure. it's a hot take, and because that's going to be the one that 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 either makes it or breaks it. I think for this season, and to hopefully make keep that momentum going though. Yeah, and that's the thing, and that's that's also where the quarterback room, Fish and his staff have done everything they could, right? Like if Grant Cannell was still there, I think we'd feel better. But Cannell wasn't staying, and what they've done to restock it, that's what the season's going to live and die with. It seems like, but at the same time. If that defense, which has had a lot of talent and has different coaching, plays better, you know, the running back room looks solid. The receiver group seems pretty good. And if the offensive line can be better, then this team should still be able to score some. Now, granted, if they go out there and they just look clunky, you know, the offense just looks bad. There's no rhythm. There's no nothing. Like, it's not a talent issue. It's just like the scheme is bad and the players don't understand it. That'll look bad on the coaching staff, you know. But at the same time, I think they're, they've bought that time for themselves to to have those struggles as a coaching staff. But another big piece that they got this week, too, Treshawn Howard. He's back. <laughs> the transfer <laughs> linebacker from Western Michigan who was coming to Arizona, then was not coming to Arizona, now is back with Arizona. Just, again, like this was a week of good news. That's another part of it. He, he did the the inverse Mejon right. <laughs> He's... <laughs> Leaving Arizona, coming back to Arizona, leaving Arizona, coming back. Uh, but both of them end up coming back, supposedly. Mayjohn Wright, not on the roster today, uh, but supposedly is coming. But yeah, Treshawn Howard, like, this is one of the guys that we were most excited about in terms of somebody that'd come in and compete immediately. Was mm-hmm. the, the MAC Defensive Player of the Year at a position, obviously, of need. Uh, and, you know, we have some honest-to-God depth at the linebacker spot now with with Jerry Roberts, Abe, Hey Bear, um, 
Malik Anthony Reed, Pandy. Pandy. Yeah. yeah. Malik Reed. We don't know uh, Jabbar Triplett still coming back from the torn Achilles, but he was a guy that was expected to contribute as a freshman. You know, we'll see what he's able to do. He would have. Uh, <laughs> he would have well, had to. <laughs> default. <laughs> He would, he, to be honest, Jabbar Triplett with a torn Achilles may have <laughs> been our second best linebacker last year, Adam. Don't you besmirch um, Rourke Freeberg? I said second best. But Anthony Pandy, you were besmirching uh, yeah, Rourke Freeberg. Yeah, you're probably right. Apologies, Rourke. Um, yeah. If he's coming in late and missed, you know, missed this, I don't think he was there for any of the spring, as I recall. So no. he's kind of behind some of the other guys. That, that have been there. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that it, Don Brown has, has a lot of experience, knows what he wants in, in players. Uh, if, and he, Don Brown was talking him up. And if he believes he can come in and, and be a disruptive player and what the experience level he's had in, in the Mac and, you know, in the, in his past, you got to expect that they'll be able to at least get, you know, valuable reps out of him, if not having him start from day one. Well, yeah. And also the fact that you talk about experience, like these guys are experienced. This linebacker, whereas last season it was Anthony Pandy and a bunch of guys who hadn't played much linebacker, you have like even if Howard is behind or Hayward is behind, like he still has played a lot of linebacker, a lot of linebacker at this level. You know, Jerry Roberts has played at this level. Kenny Abear has played at this level. You know, so like the learning curve. I think Michael Lev wrote about that in one of his notes. It was just like the learning curve for some of these guys. Like yes, they have to learn the defense, but they don't have to learn how to play defense at the college level. So their transition should be easier like they're these grown men right they have the size they have they know what they're doing they're not going to be lost so in terms of making that transition happen you know Hayward's a good player there's a reason they wanted him in the first place so it's good to have that depth which I know is one of your favorite words and they did not have last season (laughs) and it showed last season too like when they were like we saw it in the ASU game when they were playing linebackers they were like probably the seventh or eighth string on the depth chart like walk on guys who probably walked on that day like, you can't have that happen in the Pac-12. Otherwise, that's what's going to be the result. So, you know, it's Arizona's defense. And for all the all the worry about quarterback, and I think it's legitimate, their defense, if you look at it, they, at certain, like, maybe secondary, like, you know, cornerback, they're a little bit light. You know, they got really two really good starters or two starters you think we can rely on, Rutherford and a Roland Wallace. But after that, it's a little bit of question marks. But the front seven looks really good, or at least looks – really solid and that's that's huge for them it, it it at worst it looks competent with some legitimate depth yeah right and that's and that's coming from incompetent with no depth that's a massive upgrade <laughs> um and well you know speaking of the front seven and and guys returning uh I don't even know if we talked about this pre-show, Adam, but what about Miles Tapusoa making a, a, a reappearance in the program and at a at, at, and on the roster today? He's down fifty pounds from Just last like two year's. Two thirds of him returned, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which for for him to be a productive uh, player and get on the field for a pretty number of snaps, it looks like he's he he's looking lean and mean. And if he if he comes back and if he's a guy you can count on and at, at an important interior defensive line spot that makes you feel even better about that front seven, both in terms of talent and depth and really setting up the guys, you know, we're, we're both, I think a little concerned about the depth at corner, but boy, if you have a front seven, you can, you can control a lot of that with what you can do on the, uh, you know, with a guy like Tapu Soa. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where just this whole, <laughs> the whole Austin, even the last week though, like we talked about how the defensive, the defense got better, like just talent wise, it was such an infusion offensively. 
really the biggest like we knew running back was fine we knew they had talent at receiver offensive line ideally with better coaching and maybe even motivation will perform better but the question's at quarterback and we don't know the answer to that we won't until the games start but defensively if a player is good they're good and if they're just solid depth that's still good for the team and that's something they did not have last season and you know, I'm intrigued to see which of these guys maybe with the better coaching or with what we think is better coaching will perform better than we've seen, will exceed expectations just based on the scheme. You know, like that's going to happen. Like we don't know who it's going to be. We haven't even talked about like, the new Harris. You've got both Harris. That, I don't know if the plural of Harris is Meese, but you have both Harris brothers, like the Harris brothers, and like there's talent there, <laughs> you know, perhaps underutilized talent. But there's talent, so maybe with this defensive scheme, it'll be realized. So, you know, when I look at this team, and we're going to go through our position breakdowns, our depth start breakdowns over the next few weeks. Just, we're going to start this week, and then just so much happened, we figured we could do the filler content over the next few weeks, probably. But, you know, just looking at the roster from just a big picture, from the high-up lens, it's, it's not one that you look at and say, yeah, that's going to be a really good team. In part because they don't have a quarterback, as far as we know. But there's some, there's some areas that are, if not strengths, there's spots you can feel pretty good about. And the front seven, defensive line, linebacker, those are two of them. Even the safeties, I think they got some good talent. They're just cornerback. But to your point, Brett, like if they can get after the quarterback, if Dr. Blitz can get pressure on the opposing quarterback, the corners will look a lot better no matter who they are. Well, when you talked about scheme and, and, and the system where some guys might fit into there, Look at Christian Young, who is basically built for the Viper position in Don Brown's defense. And Christian Young, who opted out last year and would have been one of our better safeties. Uh, I think I can't remember if he played at least a, a, I think a he game opted or two. Out late in the season, yeah. Yeah, it's partially like an injury opt out. But, yeah. you know, he's literally getting put in. He, he's like the prototype from what we understand of the Viper position, where it's basically kind of a, a safety linebacker hybrid, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think, Don the, Brown, I think it was like the spur or like the banner or something like I think Tremaine Bondurant played it back in the day. And it's, it's, it's one of the, it's the, the it's, it's, everybody has their name for it. Right. Yeah. It, and it's, it's somebody that is flexing between that hybrid spot. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a, I think, I think he's a, is he a, a fifth year senior, six year senior now with the COVID <laughs> stuff? Um, you know, he's somebody that could thrive in the right system and the right scheme, uh, especially if it's more of an aggressive scheme as a blitzer, because he's always been, I think, a guy that's probably more linebacker than safety in terms of his skill set that we've seen at Arizona. Um, and he could be a real asset in that regard. And then seeing guys like, you know, Jalen Harris, you talk about we have both both Harai. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I think they're both going to have their, their hand in the ground. Like uh, Jalen Harris was, was playing a, as an edge guy, but, you know, standing up and probably in coverage more than he maybe should ideally be used. And as I'm curious to see what he can do in a, in a more aggressive scheme with his mm-hmm. hand in the ground. Right. Uh, and even you talk about the O-line that underperformed so badly last year, most of that O-line was there the year before and kind of overperformed expectations. So like how much of that, it, it, there wasn't that much material change in that O-line and it, no, we thought wasn't. it was going to be a strength and then it got really bad. And so like, you know, we'll, we'll see what Brandon Carroll can do with with that unit because um, I don't think there's going to be a lot a lot of infusion of talent necessarily there. Depth. Maybe some development. Yeah, but yeah, maybe some depth. There's I don't think there's going to be a lot of new new faces in the starting lineup, but there might be some new depth and new guys challenging. But it's it's an exciting time. But I'll 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 feel a lot better when we have a 
a clear front runner in the quarterback position. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna my pessimistic take would be that if we don't have a starter named early, as Jed Fish was saying, that he's not gonna keep it. He's not gonna be coy. He wants to decide early. If it takes a long time, I'm gonna take that as a negative sign that none of them have stepped up, rather than the positive that all three of them have. Mm-hmm. Well, Fish did mention talk about that quarterback battle at their media day. He said a few other things. I mean, actually, not just him. Like the whole team talked. Let's talk about the biggest news that came out of that after the break. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And as mentioned before the break, Jed Fish was talking about the quarterback battle, the competition, because it's obviously there's other competitions on the field, but that's the one everyone is the most interested in. It's the quarterback. Of course they're interested. And it's going to be a three-man race between Will Plummer, uh, Gunnar Cruz, and Jordan McLeod. At least that's what we think it's going to be. And Jed Fish said they're going to divide up the reps like 33%, 33%, 33%, 33% between the three of them for the first five days of campers. So then they're going to reevaluate and go from there. But he did say that he wants to figure out the starters soon, and he's not gonna—he's not into gamesmanship. He's not into hiding that, which because he said he wants to make sure like, the team needs to know. It's like, well, I imagine the team would know, but if it gets you know, open practices and this and that, then there's no sense in that gamesmanship. I'm fine with that. You know, I really am. I think there's enough gamesmanship just with the fact that it's a new team, new offense, new coaching staff, all that. I don't think you have to worry about hiding anything or revealing too much by week one. But to your point, Brett, yeah, it does make you think that if they do not name a starting quarterback within the first week, then either there's two or three guys that are playing great and they haven't separated themselves because they're all so good, or none of them have taken the job and been like, yep, it's mine. And that would be a problem. Yeah, I, I'm I, as much as I want to be a homer, I'm going to assume that if, there, if it's not named by the end of, certainly by, you know, what what is it, four weeks of camp, uh, four or five, um, if it's not by the end of the third week, I'm going to be concerned. If it's not by the end of the fourth week, I'm going to be very concerned because <laughs> yeah. that's going to tell me that that it's just nobody is consistent enough to uh, to give any confidence. I'm actually super curious to see what the reports are of George McLeod coming out. I was I was reading some uh, somewhere where somebody was uh, a scouting report from uh, USF when he was playing there that his accuracy is really, really pinpoint on the short passes. And much less so on the long passes. And you would think that, you know, Gunnar Cruz has the big arm, but maybe that you hear that he doesn't have the touch on it. You know, they're all, they all seem to have like their, their variety of strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna it's it's gonna be curious to see in a in a in a in an offense that seems to at first glance have a stable of really talented running backs and a lot of depth there that you can really take advantage of that. You know, what gets valued in a quarterback there. I know if Jed Fish said the one that moves the ball but like do you want to be able to have the deep threat do you just want to minimize turnovers you know if you're going to be grounded and pounding it with two tight ends and running a lot of short passes uh you know maybe that's maybe that's mcleod if you're trying Mm -hmm. to be able to you know throw the home run ball once in a while maybe that's Cruz, or maybe it's plumber right you know it's going to be curious to see what what the reports are coming out and hopefully we'll know sooner rather than later yeah and without knowing exactly how the offense will look you know, with the Rich Rodriguez offense, you knew they could do, like, the dink and dunk. You know, like, that's how B.J. Danker could be their starting quarterback because they were going to run the ball, do those read options, and he would throw. I mean, it's, it was, he was good. He no. was very good. B.J. Danker couldn't throw the ball 25 yards, but he destroyed a top-10 Oregon yeah. team at, at, with his quarterbacking skills. Because, like, that offense could handle have a quarterback who was mobile and accurate enough, you know, between, like, within 20, 25 yards. And if that's the offense that Jetfish wants to run, then maybe it is McLeod. Of course, 
I think Jed Fish has made it clear that he's going to run an offense that fits to whichever quarterback can move the ball. So maybe it's just whichever one plays the best within the scheme they want to run, and then they'll adjust it to whichever quarterback wins the job. But I would think just looking at it just based on everything, the hope would be that Gunnar Cruz takes the job. You know, he looks like the more prototypical quarterback, the bigger arm, the transfer and everything. Like, you'd feel like he could be the guy. And he's had the time with the team now. Like, him and Will Plummer have been working with the team. You know, like, you'd hope that it would be Gunnar Cruz. Then again, McLeod didn't transfer to Tucson to sit on the bench. So if he comes out and plays really well, then you'll take that too. You know, you just need one of those three guys to step up because if they can do that, then, yeah, this offense, assuming the offensive line, I guess, I don't want to say regresses because if they get back to closer to the level they were before last season, they'll be able to move the ball offensively with a good quarterback. They got good receivers. They got really good running backs. They'll move the ball. But if they don't have a good quarterback... I don't know if this offense can move, and it's just because we don't – I guess we haven't seen this offense. Like I said, the Rich Rodriguez offense didn't need star quarterback play to move the ball. I think the Jed Fish offense might need better-than-average quarterback play to move the ball. See, I'm I'm not sure I believe that. I, I Which think part? Jed, All of it? The, the last part that, it, oh, that, okay. that a Jed Fish offense needs a good quarterback to be able to move the ball. Uh, and I say that in the sense that Jed Fish is a quarterback guy, first and foremost, and basically, you know, a, a, a offensive coordinator graduated in a head, head coaching role, right? I think I'm fairly confident, based on what I know of him, that he's going to be able to put whoever it is in the best chance to be successful and tailor the offense to that person. So I think they'll be able to move the ball. It's just a matter of how well and will that be enough to offset the gambling that Don Brown's defense is going to take while we're adopting the scheme and don't necessarily quite have the 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 breadth and depth of talent there that is needed to get to the you know the utmost ability of what his scheme is because I think it's going to be it's going to be a high risk or high reward defense with the talent level we have and it's going to be probably more fun to watch but it's going to give up some points accidentally so to me I think Jed Fish's offense is going to be able to move the ball no matter who the quarterback is and I don't even think it has to be that great but that's the difference between scoring 25 points a game and 30 or 35 points a game. And that can be the difference between, you know, a team that wins two games and a team that wins four to six. That makes sense. But I, I guess I just, until I see Jed Fish's offense, I'm curious because I think of a pro style offense and most professional teams need a competent quarterback. You know, they don't necessarily need a superstar, but they need someone who can complete passes downfield, can read a defense. And until one of these three guys at Arizona has vying for the starting job proves they can do that, those doubts will remain. And if they can't get one of those guys, I mean, if they're turning the ball over, if they're not accurate, if they're not making the right reads, I have a hard time seeing any offense move the ball because it does seem a little bit more complicated than, say, you know, fake the handoff, pitch it, that short out, or down the seam. You know, like it is – it does appear to be more complicated. than Maybe it's just, hey, throw to the tight end. You know, that's that's the big thing. <laughs> and maybe it's not that complicated. But Run, run the old run the old pass it to the open guy play. <laughs> It's brilliant if that's what they go with, but but we'll see. And that's I'm I'm curious. Well, I'm sure over the next few weeks we'll talk to some people who are watching training camp too, just because like they're gonna have a they have eyes on what's going on down in Tucson. Other things Jed Fish mentioned on their media day that uh, pretty much all but three players on the team were vaccinated for against COVID nineteen. One hundred fifteen out of one hundred eighteen, which is really good. <laughs> hey, that's yeah. Arizona is not a state that's mandating it. But 115, 118, and they don't obviously don't know who the three holdouts are. But that is a really good number. Yeah, I think there are 
if you went and had a room full of 118 people at anywhere you picked in the United States, uh, there's not many rooms that would have 115 out of those 118 or higher that are vaccinated. So that's a that's a that's a very big testament to to Jed Fish and the staff and the players. Uh, and it's you know Jed Fish called it a competitive advantage, and I think it will be, especially in terms of guys you know not being held out of games, lower chance of having to have games get canceled uh, and mm-hmm. and potential forfeit. Yeah, as long as they still do things the right way. But I think it just shows that buy-in, too. Like, the way this coaching staff has reached. Not not to say that these players were going to be hesitant and not to say that they didn't feel in some ways coerced because, obviously, the different protocols, same thing we're seeing in the NFL. Like, they're doing everything they can to nudge everyone along towards vaccination, you know? like And I'm I'm for it. I, I know you are, too. You know, we're in that camp. But at the same time, these players did it, and they're ready to roll for training camp, which is fantastic. Um some less good news, Jamari Joyner said during media day that he is probably not going to be ready to go by week one. He's targeting more week three, week four with his foot injury. Not a terrible surprise. He re-injured it during the spring game on a deep ball from uh, Gunnar Cruz. It was a nice pass, a great catch, but the result was not ideal for Arizona. Um, but I think we talked about this before. If you're Jamari Joyner, you don't come back until you are absolutely ready to come back. Yeah, don't don't rush back for week three against NAU, please. <laughs> like save it for the Pac-12. If Arizona needs you for NAU, then don't bother. <laughs> then, then just redshirt. <laughs> but and he's a guy too. Where you know, a couple of years ago, his first year receiver, he was really good. Like especially for a converted quarterback, and you see the potential. Just the injuries are what you worry about now. But if he can get healthy, like he could be a leading receiver for a team. He's got the size. He's got speed. Good hands. Runs good routes. Like he could be an electric player. He had that long touchdown catch against USC in week one last season. We're like, wow, this guy, and I don't think he caught a touchdown the rest of the season. Like, he basically fell out of the offense, although the offense itself kind of was, you know, <laughs> awful. But, you know, he's a really talented player, and when they do get him back on the field, I mean, if it's week four, for instance, I wonder what the receiver group has already done without him because there's other players who could conceivably step in there and fill roles, get that timing down with whichever quarterback is the guy. And then you're trying to slide Jamari Joyner into that. Like, he's good enough to get in there. But at the same time, you know, like, it's a deep receiver room that hopefully will not need Jamari Joyner. But when he does come back, will just be bolstered by his return. Well, and the the receiving room seems to be pretty deep. But also, if the offense is approximately what we think it is going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of two tight end sets, which means you're not even going to be running as many receivers out there. Uh, so that inherently by the number of snaps that are going to be available to receivers, uh, it's dropped it down a little bit. So that depth gets amplified in that, in that regard, in a, in a kind of weird scheme way. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, there's, there's enough, there's enough depth at receiver right now. It's the question of how much star talent is there uh, until T-Mac of course joins us next year. <laughs> um, but, but Joyner is one of those guys that maybe had star power. Tavion Cunningham is a, wasn't a highly recruited guy, but he's, you know, supposedly looking really great so far in the spring and into the fall. Good player. Uh, Booby Curry was a, a highly regarded guy kind of looked okay at Arizona so far. Um, Jalen Johnson is actually somebody I'm really curious to see because he is a big guy, uh, that, that, uh, was out with, uh, I think he was a COVID casualty last year right um you know he's a guy that has size and speed and has shown flashes that i'm really curious to see and then of course Mejon wright is supposedly coming back and suddenly if you're only having two two receivers out there most of the time that's not a lot of snaps to go around for a lot of guys where again it doesn't make sense to rush 
Jamari Joyner back. Agreed. Uh, one more football note here. We learned recently Brooks Reed and Earl Mitchell being added to Arizona football's ring of honor. That's cool. Also shows how old we are when players who I think came after our time in Tucson are getting inducted in the ring of honor. So that's cool. Why, why, why you got to call us old, Adam? Just, you know, acknowledging facts. Acknowledging the passage of time. <laughs> but that's, I mean, those are two guys that obviously were a lot of fun during the Mike Stoops days. You know, like they had some NFL, they each had NFL careers too. Like they were two of the better Wildcats to come out of the program. So congrats to Brooks Reed and Earl Mitchell. And I'm not pronouncing Earl Mitchell's name correctly. I know there's a, there's a couple more words, a couple more parts it, of his name. His, that are, his biblical name. Yeah, his <laughs> biblical name. But you all know what it is. I don't need to say it. So congrats to them Bi- both, though. <laughs> Bi- biblical name as read by Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, otherwise, I think, is there any other football news, Brett, that I didn't get to? Uh, I don't think there's anything i think we got it i think we did a pretty good job of catching it all there's been a lot of a lot of notes though so there's a, a real chance we missed one but yeah I yeah think i we mean tj hall decommitted you mentioned that i decided to flip to washington tj hall we hardly knew you and but that, that goes back to the idea of like until they actually sign they're not truly committed and that's college football that's recruiting like that's yeah unless you're alabama lsu ohio state like that happens sometimes yeah. Oh, one other one other thing that with the roster that came out today, Adam, that I, I do think is worth noting was because uh, there was some question. Uh, a friend of the show who came on, Davis Duvall, when we interviewed him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, however many months ago, uh, he is listed on the roster, which is a positive sign in terms of there's been some questions around whether he'd he'd actually be able to make it to Tucson. Uh, so that's a great sign. Now, hopefully that means. He will be also declared eligible. I think that's a sep- that's a separate but important thing. But from a guy who uh, you know, it's it's always good to have more O line depth. And if nothing else, it's another guy to be uh, uh, have a body in practice for the fall oh. camp. And one other big thing, a fullback. Arizona has oh, a fullback. Oh, they got a transfer. Apparently, forget? no one knew. Uh, Clay Markoff, which is a really good fullback name. Like he <sighs> is with Arizona, a redshirt senior, came from Washington State, 5'10", 239 pounds. Apparently, he. He left uh, Washington State because he, quote, wanted to find a program that runs a fullback, which, cool. <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, why would you go to Washington State? They don't run the ball. So why, why would they use a fullback? Yeah. Well, they, they kind of do now. Maybe now. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I saw earlier today, maybe it was in, like, Michael Lev's notes where Jed Fish was saying, yeah, we've run some sets where we're going to have a fullback and three tight ends out there and make the defense guard for that. It's like, oh, be still my heart with the power <laughs> running game. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a whole different feel watching that offense. Even if they struggle, like the offense itself is going to look so different, I think, than anything we've seen, especially if there's a fullback on the field. Yes. Well, it, it, the thing that it seems increasingly like Jed Fish and his offense is basically what I've always said is, why don't you run your offense like I run my Madden offense, where I can run all these plays and have great guys at all these positions, where you can run a, a three tight end fullback with a power running back thing or run five wide receivers all the time. It feels like Jed Fish is trying to be flexible with it, and that's something that always has killed me uh, in, in college football when it's like, well, we're a shotgun team. It's like you're at the six-inch line, and it's fourth and six inches, and you're going to go out of the shotgun just, you know, I'm going to go take another shot. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that shouldn't be the case this season. But, yeah, there's a lot of excitement from, like we said, we're going to go into our position groups, our depth chart breakdown over the next couple of weeks ahead of the, the opener 
the September 4th, I believe, opener against BYU. So hey, that's hey. Like one, two, three. That's a month away. Wow. This offseason that I don't think anyone wants to end is ending soon. Like that. As, as opposed to last last year's offseason that never ended that we all wanted to end. No, the, 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 season, the, the, the season happened and that was bad too. So I, I, before we have to go down that road again, let's take a break. And we come <laughs> back, Arizona basketball made another addition, probably rounding out the roster. We'll talk about it. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Final segment here. And Arizona men's basketball added a player who they thought they were going to add months ago. Kim Aiken Jr. had committed to Arizona from Eastern Washington the day before Sean Miller was fired. Then decommitted, was going to go to Washington State, apparently couldn't get into their graduate program for political science, went back into the portal, and ended up in Tucson, where he said he always wanted to be, always visited himself as a Wildcat. He's a six seven forward, more of a, a defensive first guy who can do a lot of things fairly well, but doesn't think he does anything great which is really the perfect type of addition for this roster. Well, it's, it's really, you know, we've talked about it a bunch where, and I've, I've expressed concern at the, the, you know, at the front court position, especially, and Aiken's not necessarily a, a, a power forward. He's kind of like a, a wing, a big wings, maybe small power forward type. Mm-hmm. But when he's defense first, you know, some, to some extent, your position is determined by what you can guard rather than what you can do on offense. Um, and in that sense, he's a guy that can fill in those minutes there. And he's not a score-first guy, which, you know, nobody who was going to transfer in here, a score-first p- power forward that, that is Arizona good, wasn't starting over Azulis Tabellis. Nope. So that's one of the reasons why Arizona was struggling to fill that that spot. Um, and so in that in that sense, I think Aiken is about as good of a, a hole plugger that you can have in the roster uh, as somebody that, you know, I could see him being a guy that actually plays most of his minutes, uh, kind of like a to analogize uh, a baseball defensive replacement late in the game, like somebody that's not necessarily playing a lot of minutes early in the game, but could come in and help preserve a lead. Um, and in that in that sense, it's very valuable, especially when guys get foul trouble and, and things like that. Um, but overall, I think it's, you know, a, a good a good pickup for Arizona. Yeah, it seems like a necessary one and likely the best thing. And that's not a knock on Aiken, like you said. Whoever they were going to get was going to have to settle for an off-the-bench role that may not get 20 minutes a game. Aiken was the uh, the defensive player of the year um, in the conference, so the guy has some ability. You know, Big Sky defensive player of the year. He averaged 11 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal, plus a block per game last season. So he was effective. Now, will he will that translate to the Pac-12? Obviously, like he played against Arizona and struggled in that game. But I think he said, I forget where I read, but he's like, I was trying way too hard to prove I belong. <laughs> you know, that I could play, a, you know, on, you know, with Arizona, which makes sense. He's feeling that pressure, knowing that he might eventually want to transfer out of eastern Washington. But like his road to get to Arizona was certainly winding, you know. But if Arizona is where he wanted to be, and I think he said, too, that when Tommy Lloyd took over, they were a little bit cool on him. Like they weren't exactly, you know, recruiting him and they were going after some other guys, like guys that they did not get. And that yeah. they ended up circling back, like once he went back to the portal, which that's that's how it works. Like I'm glad there's no hard feelings there from him. And also, I'm glad he ended up with a place he wanted to be to begin with, you know, because yeah. Tommy Lloyd, they had to re-recruit him. They had to be like, hey, like, yeah, remember that time where you didn't think we wanted you? Now we do. You know, they had to make that work, which good on them, you know, and he does seem to fill out a roster, which now he's not a true power forward. But depending on the matchups, he could probably eat some of those four minutes 
and that allows you to do different things with your lineup with foul trouble or just you know whoever you're playing. So it's a good pickup, a good veteran presence to have, someone who should know his role and play really, really hard. Yeah, I I agree with all of that, and and to your point, you know, it's good on good on him and good on Tommy Lloyd and the staff for for kind of working it out and and having him come to Arizona. And I think, you know, a lot of times people say people should commit to the school and not the coach, and this is a good example of a guy kind of still doing that. <laughs> um, though it's a little different in I think college basketball where it's 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 kind of where to, where do the pieces all kind of fit as as the rosters fill out, but. I think, you know, it's he's Aiken is somebody that I think we were happy to have added to the roster and saw the value when it was Sean Miller recruiting him. And I think we see that same value today. And I think he's going to be a valuable ad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another quick basketball note that may or may not be a thing. The IARP is being changed. Right. Like the NCAA, they're changing their the whole like review board and how they can look at things like I think it's accepting the previous evidence that the NCAA picked up and all different things to try to resolve cases more quickly because, as Arizona fans know, it's a slow process. And does this mean that Arizona's case will be settled soon? Perhaps. And depending on what, of course, the answer is, what they decide, I'll be all, we're all really curious. But I think for a lot of people, there's a sense of just, just get it over with. You know, that yeah. allows Tommy Lloyd and this new era to really officially begin in earnest, right? Like, once the cloud of whatever happened in the past is officially lifted, you know, whatever it is, whatever the punishment is, they can look at that. There's no longer, this is what could happen. This is what is happening. Now you can move forward. Yes, just give us the sweet release of uh, of death with whatever it's going to happen. Not the actual death or death penalty for the program. That'd be terrible. We'll take our voluntary postseason ban maybe a scholarship and be done with it thank you yeah, very that, much that that would be nice <laughs> but we already self-imposed a scholarship production this year because we're probably not using the last one anyway but whatever happens like the idea that i could just just get it over with like and when arizona went to the irp though they knew it could take time like they kind of did this to themselves grant i don't think accepting the ncaa's version of things is the necessarily the best way to go either like you should fight it but they put into this process that could take time like NC State, Louisville, Kansas, LSU. They're all waiting for the IARP too. Like Arizona's not alone, but like you can understand why they might be a little backed up with <laughs> figuring out what's going. On. I don't know what where Arizona ranks in terms of like getting done first, but I could see for a lot of reasons they just the sooner it gets done with the better. Like whatever it yeah. is, whatever the punishment is, just move on. Well, each day that it's not done, it's actually extending the the penalty, right? Yeah. With in in, in some regard. For sure. So just get it over. So on that disappointing note, or perhaps we'll see. Is there anything <laughs> else we got? Down. Anything else for this show, Brett? Talk about uniforms again? I mean, we we can. I I was I was checking earlier, Adam. I'm going to do one more quick check because we did say last week we would read any uh, reviews on the air, and I do not see any. So I think we should ask again if you're out there to submit a review uh, and and rating, and we will read it live on the air. It has to be on iTunes, though. I learned that Spotify does not allow for reviews. So ah. do not attempt to leave a review on Spotify for us to read. We will not be able to read it because you will not be able to leave it. So, you know. You will you will just have been typing into Microsoft Word. <laughs> Which, I mean, I you, mean could, do, you, you do could, you. <laughs> you could type it into Microsoft Word while listening to us on Spotify, screenshot it, and send it to the Twitter handle, and I will read it. Yeah, at Wildcat Radio AZ is a Twitter handle. Make sure you're following us there. But yes, of course, subscribe to us, iTunes and Spotify. 
leave your review on iTunes, and we will read it on the air. No matter good or bad, we will accept all forms of commentary. You know, I guess within reason. I think there's probably like certain words we're not allowed to say on the air, but we will we will read. But we're also going to read it with your name, so just keep that in mind. Like this will not be anonymous. So that's my only way to try to perhaps lessen the blow of some of these reviews we may get. Um, you know, we're going to do our football depth chart breakdowns over the next few weeks. We'll bring on some guests, too, who have been at practice to make sure we can get a firsthand look at what Arizona is doing. All right, well, make sure you're staying safe out there. Um, can speak from experience. That Delta variant is no joke. Um, you know, I went on a trip, came back with great memories and a breakthrough case. Brett, I know the same for you. So we're, yes. we're hanging in there. So we just did this show, you know, so we're, we're doing fine, fortunately. And that's probably due to the vaccines that we got. So make sure everyone, like, the reason why we're so pro-vaccine is, I mean, we've, we've lived it now. Yeah, and we're pro-vaccine because, it, you know, it saves lives. It, it saves pain for people. Also, let's say football season, we're, we're, we're like five weeks away or whatever. Um, and, and I'm confident that if we had not had the vaccine, Adam, we would, neither of us would be feeling as good as we do already in, in our recovery. So right. it's, it shows the vaccines work. Be, but also, you know, be safe out there and make yeah. sure that you're uh, taking risks responsibly. Sounds like a, like a drinking commercial. Take risks responsibly. Mean, maybe. I mean, <laughs> sure. That sounds like you're <laughs> suggesting people to drive home after they drink. <laughs> don't do that. I know. No, no. don't. No, don't. don't definitely do don't do that. That's not what I'm saying at all. Why would you suggest that? Take risks responsibly. That, that's that the COVID like... talking. That that's what that's what that's COVID talking right there from Brett. But yeah, so <laughs> but everyone like be safe out there. Like we do care about that. Like we're doing fine. Like we'll we'll continue to heal up. We'll continue to get better. Arizona football will continue their practices as they get ready for that September fourth opener. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>